Coming at you from coast to coast. It's the Real Deal Podcast. With your hosts, Ian Phillips and Cassie Grimaldi. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Real Deal Podcast. My name is Ian Phillips. I'm here with my co-host, Cassie Grimaldi. Hi, everybody. Um, we're, as always, going to take all of our combined brain power and talk about whatever movies and TV shows interest us. We will review whatever the hell we want, whether we like it or dislike it. Uh, you'll just have to come along for the ride and see. Okay, so let's <laughs> let, let's get this started here. So, no really, no big news items this week, and uh, I don't really feel like talking about uh, Gary Oldman's rant or Jerry Ferrara's new podcast. So, um, we're just going to skip right to Analog This. And finally this week, we're going to talk about season two of Orange is the New Black, which Cassie and I have both finished. Yeah. So, if you um, haven't finished, then... Yeah, this is... this is we are. There's going to be spoilers for season two. We are going to talk about everything. Every little detail. So please, if you, if you haven't listened yet, if you haven't wa- finished watching yet, then I would say skip over this part to the movie review. Um, mm-hmm. If anything gets spoiled, then you can't sue us. Yeah. All right, so let's get started. So I finally finished season two last night. It's fresh. It's fresh in my head now. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you finish this season? Uh, um, about a week and a half ago. So how long would you say it took you to watch and all? Two weeks. I watched like an episode a day. So. That's a pretty that's that's about as long as it took me. I mean, I know people who watch the whole thing in like two days. I think that's a little a little extreme, but if you could cram it all in, more power to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I'm always impressed when I like look at like Vulture or the A V Club and like the next day after something comes out on Netflix and some poor person had to like watch it all so they could like write it for yeah. for their um T V blog. And it's for not, their it's job. A, yes. For their blog. Their, their, I almost said their blog as a TV job. Or their because job as a TV blog. Not only do they have to watch the whole thing, but they have to like pay attention and write insightful, oh, yeah. smart things. And they it's, always do, because yeah. people are smart. Yes, people are smart. And it's a it's a really dense show, and there's a lot of characters to keep track of. Like I forget the names of characters sometimes and have to go back and figure it out. So the fact that they could do that all in like two days... Yeah, it's like Rain Man. <laughs> it's like counting cards. But with, yeah, but just counting, counting characters. Counting characters. Um, so, Cassie, what did you overall, what are your just vaguely thoughts on season two? I loved it. It was, it was a lot diff. I thought it was very different than the first season because mm-hmm. they didn't have to sort of establish all the problems with prison and like the ups and downs of Piper. And I yeah. thought I liked. The structure was different in a way because it had a clear antagonist yeah. who was sort of ruining everything instead of Piper ruining <laughs> everything, everything for, herself. for herself. Yeah. I feel like last season, I guess at least for part of it, Pensatucky was kind of the antagonist. But only for like the last three episodes. Yeah, only for the last... I was just thinking about this and like a show like Game of Thrones, like Orange is the New Black is the kind of show where character where you either love or hate a character depending on the episode it kind of changes mm-hmm. but i think every show like that like when you have so many morally ambiguous characters you need one character mm-hmm. to just ground it all who is evil who's undisputedly indisputably evil so game of thrones had joffrey and this season of orange and the new black had v yeah who i who is the actress who played her did um yvonne parker i believe no that's the name of the character um yeah <laughs> I'm blanking on the name of the actress right now. I'll look it up. That's but okay. She did an amazing job playing someone who's a complete who's a complete sociopath. Yeah. V was somebody who would basically take people. Her name was uh, Lorraine Poussin. Okay. Played V Parker, but she just did uh, such a good job of like you never really knew what her true intentions were, but after you got to know her, you figured out that everything she said was manipulating somebody else like yeah. creating loyalty and then completely screwing everyone over if it means that she'll survive yeah I agree she was a total you didn't realize what a sociopath she was until like the second episode she was in but mm-hmm. um 
she's a, she was, I really liked the way they built her characters as yeah. sort of unrelentless and insane and just her, the way she spoke almost like, she spoke it ground my gears, I guess. She spoke in this way that was like, I know what you're smug. talking about, she spoke, very, yeah, exactly, that was the word I was thinking of, like very smug, like. It just seemed like no matter what you told her, she would just throw it right back in your face and, like, smile. And, like, the mm -hmm. angrier you got at her, the stronger she became. Mm -hmm. She just sucked off the anger and, and whatnot of other people. Mm -hmm. She's a, she is a pretty incredible woman, pretty horrible woman, too. She was really interesting. But this season, in general, like you were saying before, there was less Piper. Mm -hmm. and I don't think Piper is a bad character, but I think phasing the show away from her really benefited it because I think this whole season, one of the things I love most about the season is that they really built the universe or the world up of the prison more mm -hmm. and more this season. I think with less Piper they were able to focus on all the other prisoners. Yeah, I agree. I think I think this season was um, I think last season was about taking away people's power and this season was about power structures and how people yeah. sort of like rise into power and like how things were shifting with like um Latinas taking over the kitchen and yeah. um somebody new coming in who wanted to be the person in charge who was V and, and Red trying to win back the trust of people and yeah. I mean this begins also with Piper having to kind of win back the trust of people because she's a complete lone wolf. Mm-hmm. And the prisoner's trying to take control of the prison. Caputo trying to get control of the prison. I mean, the very last shot is a character stealing a car and getting her own life back as she is going to die. Yeah, um... We'll get to that ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, I... Also, I think, um... This... The first season was a lot more about based on, loosely based on the memoir by um, Piper Kerman, and this season was definitely a little more fictionalized. Oh yeah, definitely. I've never read the, have you read the memoir? I haven't, but I mean, I've, I've heard a bunch of, and read a bunch of interviews with her. You could get a sense the season was different, I guess. Yeah, it was a lot, it was a lot more, um, hyperbolic and fantastic and, um, um, in a way I'm, that benefited the show. Yeah, it wasn't. It was just you know more outlandish. Yes, definitely was a little more outlandish, which is good. No, not in a bad way. No, these things in a bad way. Not in a bad way at all. Um, like I was saying, like the characters, their dynamics, and who you like and don't like changes from season to season, episode to episode. Who are some of your favorite characters this season? Um. Well, I I mean, it's hard to pick just one, but my favorite, no, two favorite characters, I think, like most sane people, are Tasty and Pusey, because they're yes. just great. Specifically Pusey, I liked that they built a lot more this season, because she just seems like she's got this really complex backstory, and she's, like, very yeah. emotional, and... I don't know. She's great. And half, half the season was them not even really being together. Yeah, and they're so good together. I know. It was sad. It's all V's fault. Yeah. V. I, I was a really, I'm a really big fan of Lorna, even though... I love Lorna. Oh my god. Yes. I thought this was the reveal of her backstory this season was like, I think, one of the pivotal moments of the season where you realize that she might be... Yeah. One of the craziest prisoners in Litchfield. That was one of the episodes where I was just on the edge of my seat and, like, oh. cringing at everything she oh did she, when she, she, she broke, broke into to Christopher's house. Yes, they wanted us to be freaked out, and they did a really good job at that. Yeah. Uh, I just love the... F that's, like, with her character, like, when Christopher, later on the season, comes into the prison and yells at her. Oh, my God. You feel bad for... I felt bad so for bad for her because yeah, she just, like, is crumbling on the inside. Yeah. There's, like, something about her, like, even though she's completely insane, mm -hmm. she's, like, very sweet and innocent at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, she seems so unaware of what she's doing, but also there's a comment Christopher makes where he yells, like, 
I'm the good guy here. She's the one who's in prison. Mm-hmm. And that's the complete opposite of everything Orange is in the, in, that, that this show has been teaching us since day one. Is that just because you're in prison like doesn't mean you're just a completely terrible person. I mean, but it's true. She Yes. Oh, yeah, she is a terrible <laughs> She did stalk him and threatened to kill him. Yeah, exactly. That's but terrifying. Also, and yet yes. she's like this sweet puppy dog character to us, so... Because we know her so well. Because we spent all that time with her behind bars. I really love in the one episode when she's trying to explain the plot of Toy Story and she just says it's like a dark, <laughs> twisted way. Yeah, I love that. So I funny. Really, it just makes me think of in Parks and Rec when Andy has that whole montage of him explaining all his favorite action movies. I want to see the equivalent of that in like a blooper reel of Lorna just explaining Disney movies but in her own twisted way. Yeah, so she's funny. Clearly a character who's been impacted by pop culture stuff because she thinks she's living in a romantic comedy. Exactly. Uh, another character I really like is Nikki. Just because oh, yeah, she's great. She's, I mean, I want her to have more of a dramatic arc in the future. Yeah, I think next season will because it ended with her with alluding to the possibility that she will get back into her drug habit. Yeah. Um, but I thought she gave the heroine to Red. No, but but then at the very yeah she did but then at the very end they had all the heroin her and Big Boo had all the heroin oh, stashed yeah, 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 yeah. away and it just ended with like a shot of her looking at it in a way that suggested that she's might oh, yeah. try and use again I forgot but um yeah I really like her and how they write for her and she's Natasha Leone's just fantastic yeah and I think this and the character's very close to some of Natasha Leone's like real yeah life experience because she was. She's a recovering heroin addict. So she really had that open heart surgery that they had. Oh yeah, they really in yeah, the first really, season. That's amazing. They really wrote. I don't like. I think they wrote most. Of, they tailored a lot of the characters towards the actual people. Or well, certain, I don't know about that. No, not all of them. At least I don't know. At least for Nikki. Yeah, and also Yoga Jones is my favorite character because yes. I just want to be just like her when I grow up, except for not in prison and to <laughs> not have murdered a child. Just well, a Zen yoga lady and not in prison. Yeah, maybe. Also, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you all know, she's also the voice of. She was the voice of Patty Mayonnaise on Doug. Yeah. And you will hear once you once I tell you that you will not be able to unhear it. Mm-hmm. At all. Um, were there any? I thought this season was honestly like pretty close to perfect, at least in like the last few episodes. Like every show's gonna have little speed bumps here and there. It was mm-hmm. kind of like a weird rough start. At first, but I think it just it took off after the first episode. But are there any were there anything weak points? I don't think so, not at all. Because I know you've talked. Nothing a lot. didn't work for me. I know you've nothing nothing at all. I know you've talked a lot about your dislike of uh, Larry to me. Oh yeah, there it goes. Look at I've blocked Larry Bloom out <laughs> completely. Just like just like Crazy Eyes blocking out the things that she doesn't like. Like, there literally could not have been a storyline more boring than Larry and Polly. Like, I do not care. Do not care about them. I fast-forward... I fast-forwarded to, um... Um... Like... Several of the scenes with them, because I knew what was gonna happen, and they're just so boring, and I hate them. Yuppies are boring. One of my favorite things on the internet right now is just... That picture of Larry with the caption that's like goat bleeding underneath because it's Wait, so what's, funny. What's the picture? I don't know. It's just like a it's just like a screenshot of Larry talk or Jason Biggs talking, and the caption is like goat bleeding. B l e a t i n g. Like because oh, everything <laughs> he says is just stupid. Bleeding. Yes. Yes. I don't know why. I find it really funny in the credits that it just says that he just gets his own and Jason Biggs title card and Jason and Jason Biggs. It makes me laugh every single time. Um, <laughs> but I think, it's, I, like, the one, maybe the only reason that he might have been there was for the, just for the one episode where Piper goes on furlough. So I thought there was really good scenes between them. And then, and then the final episode where he's instrumental in helping get Alex back in prison, but he still didn't need to be there that much. Yeah. Think, I have a feeling that he might get written out that season. Now that him and Piper aren't together anymore, like, what use is there for him? 
I don't know. The one scene th that I did like that he was in was when he and his dad go to the gay bathhouse and he asks, why are we in a gay bathhouse? And his dad says, schwitz is a schwitz. And then, like, <laughs> dot, 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 I had a group on. Which was, I just thought it was so funny. I think that they needed Larry to be in there so they could get at least a few Jewish jokes in this season. Oh, and yeah. without them, Jenji Cohen always likes having them in her TV shows, whether it be Weeds or Orange is the New Black. And without them, the whole entire power structure might just crumble down. Speaking of power structures, I also liked that this season focused a lot on the guards. Yeah, I loved the guards' relationships, whether it was um, Lauren Lapkus and Caputo and um, the other guy with the beard. Um, and I, I miss, I, I hope I, Lauren Lapkus comes back after yeah, getting tired. But, um, that was upsetting that she had to, she got canned. Yeah, and but, then the two guards who were dating and, like, yes. living together, that just was, like, they interesting. Were like, they were, like, very good, like, I mean, this show I kind of considered a comedy, but they were, like, this weird other pocket of, like, comic relief. The best <laughs> moments when he came out with his mini banjo. His banjo Banjo-Laley. To try and, like, distract all the nuns. The and nun starts, songs he sang. Oh, like, he starts singing all these songs about how he wished his parents got divorced, and it was, it was so, it was so funny. Yeah. I thought. He was brilliant. Yes, the show, like, has... I think this season was definitely... It's amazing how, in one episode, then, like, any given episode, it's going to be both a murder plot and then a banjo-laley. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Is, it does a very good... It's a very good mix of dark comedy and just very bleak prison drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we should talk a little bit about that ending, because there's a crazy ending in final episode. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the ending. So, just a little briefly, the show ends. Um, so every day Lorna drives Rosa to chemotherapy, and at Rosa's latest appointment, the doctor tells her that she is basically going to die in a few weeks and the chemo's not doing anything. And mm -hmm. Lorna drives her back and just basically gets out of the car and hands her the keys and tells her, just drive fast. So Lorna is, or not Lorna, Rosa drives away, and at the same time this is happening, uh, V has escaped through the tunnel from prison, and Rosa's driving down the highway. She looks and sees V, says, that woman was always so rude, and without hesitating at all, just hits her with the car, and from the look in V's eye, I think she was dead, but based on some things I've read, it's very possible that she could be coming back. I don't know, I, way, maybe she'll come back in backstory, but I mean, she looked pretty dead. Yeah, she looked pretty dead. It was it was just, like, that was such a moment of, after watching, like, Game of Thrones for a whole season and, like, seeing some horrible things happen, like, seeing this on Orange is the New Black was, like, such a moment of catharsis, I felt. Yeah, definitely. It was a really great ending. Like I said, I love the way Rosa just doesn't even hesitate in the time she sees V and the time she can take to hit her with her car just does it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, it? it was it was very like you were like totally expecting this big build up, but you sort of knew that Red was never gonna get the balls to kill her. So it was very yeah. it was awesome that it was just kind of like that V had, and I mean V was building herself up to to be escaping from prison and yeah. feeling like she was on top, and then like in an instant it's just like totally snatched from her which was like it was like cathartic and sudden all at the same time yes but that was this was a, it was a crazy ending it just i love the way the final episode took it was so the, the final episode was 92 minutes long which was so it was basically a feature a movie length. it was basically a, a mini movie which like if this was just an individual movie released on its own it would be one of the best movies of the year but um i love the way it just took almost everything that ha that like happened this season and made it all culminate at once on the mm -hmm. one day that Caputo is starting his new job and needs everything to be perfect and everything just falls apart at once mm -hmm. it just every and like it all like connects so perfectly like it's just when you're if you're somebody who's a writer or admires writing when you just watch something like that it just makes you so happy yeah I totally agree 
And this was definitely, I think this was among one of the better season finales mm-hmm. I've possibly seen. And it will go in the pantheon of great uh, season finales. I agree. And, um, anyway, uh, <laughs> he just sent me a bunch of memes of Jason Biggs, and it's very, they're very funny. We'll have to link to it somehow. Yeah, but, we'll link um, in the description. Yes, we'll link in the description. That That's exactly what we'll do. Well, nothing, not, not useful information, just pictures of why Jason Biggs should not be on this show. But, um, yeah, this Sorry, was, it's Jason a, it's a, Biggs. You seem like yeah. a nice guy, but, uh. Yeah, you do, and we love saving Silverman. Yeah, Saving Silverman's one of our favorites. Yes, it's a this is a it's a real deal family favorite. Um, <laughs> yes, and I like the fact that you play Jews all the time, even though you're not Jewish. I think that's hilarious a lot. But anyway, overall, season two of Orange is the New Black. Um, how would you 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 how would you rate it? Five stars on the star system. That I don't really know what it means, <laughs> but. I think I would have to come come close to that too. Um, I would like to say also that one one bit more little thing is that Genji Cohen, the last show she made was Weeds, which was ended an amazing, terribly. Yeah, it was it was an amazing show for the first three seasons, and then it completely jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. And one wrong that she's right is that every episode of Weeds, like every season finale of Weeds, would be this like crazy cliffhanger. Yeah, at the next season it would pick up immediately where it left off. Yet it would like represent the time jump as if if the previous season ended in two thousand seven, the next season would start at the same moment, but acknowledge the fact that it was actually like two thousand nine now, and it was always really kind of irritating. And Orange is the New Black has like has not doesn't just pick up immediately where it left off, and it acknowledges that it takes place in a short period of time, and that really benefits this show. Yeah, I, don't know, I guess I guess. TV has changed a lot since then, and Netflix, you're doing a great job. Yeah, it's always good to see stuff with a group of cool ladies, too, so, uh... Exactly. Hopefully, other TV shows start to take the hints that Orange's New Black gives. Yes. And speaking of cool ladies, um, after this, uh, quick commercial break, we are going to come back with a review of Obvious Child. Yeah. So, uh, don't turn that dial. Welcome back to the Real Deal Podcast, everyone. Thank you for not turning that dial on your uh, iPhones, I guess. Um, okay, now it's time for Real Talk. This is where we take a some big movie that just came out and uh, we review it. This week we are going to do a review of Obvious Child. Uh, mm-hmm. A brief synopsis. So Obvious Child is a story of Donna Stern, who is played by Jenis, Jenny Slate who is a struggling but very funny stand-up comedian living in Brooklyn. And she is... Her boyfriend breaks up with her and turns out was cheating on her, so... And she's going to Good riddance! Yes, and she's losing her job, so... She's at a very, very low moment. She's at a crossroads. Yeah, she's at at a crossroads, as you might call it. Until one night at the bar, she meets a man named Max, who's played by Jake Lacey, who's the complete opposite... Of her, but they hit it off and they uh, get it on. And after days, a nice dance montage, yes, a very nice dance montage <laughs> to some Paul Simon that I actually which enjoyed. happens every time that people meet at bars. Yes, every to, time people meet at bars, they, for they, one night stand, they go and dance half naked while listening to songs that are forty years old. It's an ancient ritual. Yes, it's, it's an it's an ancient uh, ritual amongst hipsters and manic pixie people. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, she finds out she is pregnant, and she decides that the best thing that she need, the one thing she needs to do is get an abortion. So the movie's about her getting her life together, uh, growing up, and grappling with this big decision and how it uh, impacts the people around her. So mm-hmm. this is directed by. Gillian Robespierre. It also stars Gabe Liebman, Richard Kind, Polly Draper, Gabby Hoffman, and David Cross. Um, we were both looking forward to this movie for a long time. Isn't that right, Cassie? That's quite true. I believe we talked about it on one of the first episodes yes, of we, The Real Deal. Yeah, we did. 
because it had, it had a really fantastic trailer that I, I loved a lot. Uh, how did you, did you think it lived up to your expectations? What did you think of Obvious Child, Cassie? Yeah, it definitely lived up to my expectations. I liked that it, um, I don't know, I, I, I think, rec- well, recently NBC decided that they weren't going to show the trailer for the movie because really? it has the word abortion in it. Are you, wait, I never, wow, are you serious? Yeah, uh, Le- Lena Dunham tweeted about it today, I think, but, um. Today is Tuesday, June twenty fourth. So that yes, I don't know when this will come out, but that is what happened. And maybe NBC will change their minds because that's stupid and yes, it's not it's the nineteen sixties. Yeah, it's the year twenty fourteen. <laughs> NBC, come on. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's a little ironic because that's not really what the movie is about. Oh, for that's sure. totally not what Rome was about, and we should totally just stab Caesar. But <laughs> um. But anyway, yeah, that's not what the movie's about, and as film critic David Edelstein would say, it's a momentous non-event. Um, I don't even—I don't think he said that about this movie, but yeah, he says what, it a lot in a lot of other things. Yes, he I don't know does. what he said that about, but I like what you said. This is definitely not just that abortion movie. It's—it's it's part of the story, and it's an—it's an interesting part, but it's about much more than that. It's a movie about people, like which sounds really vague. But mm-hmm. there's more, but the mostly movies made these days are about plots, not people. And Agreed. This is a refreshing, rare movie that's just about people interacting with each other. Um, it's only, the movie's an hour and 23 minutes, so it's really short, but all the scenes go on very long. Yeah, and it's, it's refreshing because there's a lot of movies that try to be like this, but... They're not interesting at all. And I think what saved this movie was the performances and some good writing. Yes. There's some... I was thinking, like, at first we talked about kind of how Jenny Slate is amazing in this. Like, this is... I've always known she was talented based on her comedy work. But this is like a... She's able to both do comedy and drama in this. But I think she'll she'll be getting much more work after this movie. She does a really great job in this. Yeah, I agree. She, um, uh, I think, uh, maybe, I feel like most sort of comedy nerds know who she is, and maybe a lot of people still yeah. won't know who she is after this, so but... should we, should we tell the people who she is, just very briefly, in case they don't know? Yeah. So, Jenny Slate, <laughs> so Jenny Slate, uh, began her comedy career on Saturday Night Live. Well, she didn't begin well, her comedy career. No, not begin, career. but that's where she first became kind of noticed. That's where she got on TV. Yes, exactly. She got on TV on Saturday Night Live, but I don't. She was, but not long after getting hired, she was fired because she accidentally dropped an f bomb on live TV. Yeah, which is a clip you should. Her first, actually, I think it was the first episode she was on. I don't. I don't don't know if it was the very first, but she was. It was really early on, and she didn't get fired till later. But a lot of people say that's the reason she was fired. Yeah. You can kind of see the look. I don't know it's how a, true that you is. Should, you should find find the clip on YouTube. It's like just kind of funny when you watch it because you realize... Her and Chris and Wig just like look at each other for like... A, it's like a split second of, like, oh, shit. Like, uh-oh. And they don't actually say, oh, shit, after because that would make it way worse. Yeah, but... but yeah. But uh, lately, you could see her... She's on Parks and Rec. She's been on Board to Death. Um, she's on... She's, she was on Girls. She was on... Oh, yeah, she was on Girls. She's a regular on... Kroll show now where she plays a lot of different characters. The most notable one is Liz of Liz and Liz Publicity. And yeah. And my niece Denise, who is who's she plays her own niece. She plays her own niece. Which is a, f- a feat in theatrics. Yes, she play yes, in her she plays two different characters, one skit. She is a really talented actress. Yeah. But yes. And she has a great laugh. She's a great what? Laugh. Yes, she does have a great laugh. She was also Marcel the Shell. How could I forget about that? Yes. But yes, she, that's yes. what most people will actually know her from, I think. Yeah, I, I forget. I know her. I just think of her as Liz. But anyway, in this performance, she does a lot of different things with it. There's a lot of stand-up, which is what she does. Like, her character is a stand-up comedian, and there's these, like, interludes, and it kind of makes me think of Inside Lewin Davis, how there are all these interludes where the character is performing and, like, you kind of see, I guess, like, stand-up is different from music in that it changes so much, so 
it's kind of cool how they use stand-up so prominently in this to show how much the character changes. Yeah, because I feel like stand-up... I feel like the singer-songwriter trope is used a lot in indie movies, and I feel like stand-up can be just as, like, soul-bearing yeah. slash soul-crushing. Yeah. You don't have yes. you don't have a guitar to hide behind. Yes, exactly. It's just um, as they keep saying, you're just you just have you up there. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I I what I kind of missed from this movie was that it wasn't. I thought there could have been maybe some funnier moments f- from like um, if they could write good stand up, they might. I guess they didn't really need it, but I would like to see a mo- a movie with Jenny Slate in like a straight comedy because yeah. The stand-up was funny, but every time the characters were telling jokes, they were, like, making each other laugh, so yeah. it wasn't, like, supposed yeah. to be... And this was definitely not... The whole movie in general is not a straight comedy, even though there's lots of comedy in it. Yeah. It's very much a dramedy, but I I feel like there must be a lot of deleted footage of stand-up that they couldn't use in the movie or had to cut for time that I'm sure is great. Yeah. And I wonder, okay. I know, not many movies, like, have stand-up. It's a big, it's a bigger thing on TV to do stand-up, like, on Seinfeld and Louie, and then on the upcoming... Now Mulaney. And, yeah, now Mulaney. Like, every show has, like, a character doing... And then on Inside Amy Schumer, she does it, too, where they do stand-up, and that's kind of the thematic background of the show, and then it transitions to the actual story. The only other movie mm-hmm. I could think of that prominently has stand-up in it is Funny People. Uh, yeah. But there, there are others out used, there. Used in a different way. Yeah. I just remember, I don't know how they filmed in this. I'm sure these were more staged, but I know in Funny People, they actually, like, put on live shows and perform them in front of strangers. Yeah. Which I think is really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. But, yes, anyway, so... Oh, there, there are many other... I think there, there are many other things to say. Um, about. I really like the ending of this movie, too, because... Yeah. Um, again, sort of like the whole abortion thing, it, um, it, it, a lot of, if, I feel like if it was different actors, it would have seemed like a sort of silly, ambiguous ending. Yeah. But, um, it's, it sort of ends with just, um, Jake Lacey and Jenny Slate watching Gone Gone with the the Wind, wind. I think, and, yeah, and I thought, like, the way... A romantic comedy can end is either ambiguously one of them dies or they end up together and mm-hmm. in this movie it really felt like they're just gonna hang out and watch movies and yeah. it wasn't ambiguous and it like that's what happens in real life like that is the modern relationship and <laughs> that's a that's all yes i i agree with that that sounds like a fun relationship to me but um i mean i mean <laughs> I mean, it just, it's what people do now. Yes. They, like, pick something to watch on demand and sit there. Yes. You know, and, if like, were, eat a were, snack together. Yeah. If I were them, I would choose something less long and boring than Gone with the Wind, but to each their own. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of, I think this is kind of an indie movie cliche where it'll kind of, it'll, like, end on this one note and then it, like, just will abruptly cut to black and, like, the whole idea is, like, okay, that's all we need to show you now. That's it, folks. But I think it worked. The cut to black, like, sometimes it works well and sometimes it's annoying. Yeah, it worked well here. It worked well here because it just felt like the movie, it just felt like that that was the moment the movie was supposed to end. Like, they're together, she's grown a little bit, that's what you wanted to see from this romantic comedy, and that's what you got. Yeah. So, like, way to go, uh, Gillian Robespierre. That's another little writing feat that they ended at just the right moment. They did it. They did a good, they made a good one. Yes, hooray. Um, any more thoughts you might have on Obvious Child? I just really liked it. I had high expectations, and it met them, and I think people can't go into this expecting to roll on the floor laughing, or expecting some profound truth about abortion, because, uh, the fact is, uh, it's a part of life, and abortion shouldn't be some groundbreaking thing, because it's gonna happen whether illegal... Or illegal, and it's only groundbreaking because of people like the governor of Texas and um, right-wing pundits and extremists who make it an issue. So, you know, I think I think you just actually reached why it's done so well here because they don't 
draw attention to it. And that's when I think you realize that like some that societies become more comfortable with a certain issue is not just when they address it, but when everyone just kind of talks about it like it's a thing we all know about. Like well, I, just, I don't think we're at that point yet. It just because well, yeah. there's a lot of people in the world, but uh, with a lot of there, everybody's opinion yeah. is valid. No, of course, I guess, of but course. mine is the right one. Yeah, but <laughs> but also I guess this. Obvious Child probably isn't going to be playing to Rick Perry and the Rick Perry crowd. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. Which is unfortunate, but, but maybe they'll get to see it one day because... If you don't like it, don't go see it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not playing on demand, even though it should be to reach a wider audience, but it is slowly rolling out and should soon be in a theater near you, so... I think it'll be in local theaters by like july right yeah maybe by even this weekend it's already started playing in connecticut which is a place that usually gets movies slower yeah i haven't checked about upstate new york but yeah Yeah. but anyway um if you get a chance you should definitely check out obvious child it's a very refreshing little summer movie and if you don't feel like getting assaulted in the ears by explosions and transformers and stuff then just watch some good stand-up comedy and pee farts yeah Farts. All right. Um, that that concludes our review of Obvious Child. Um, we're gonna take another quick commercial break, but don't turn that dial. We'll be right back with more Real Deal podcast. Welcome back to the Real Deal Podcast. Um, we would like to also talk about uh, what else we've been watching this week. Uh, not only watching, but maybe reading, listening to. Overall, what our brains have been consuming now. Uh, Cassie, what have you been? Uh, what have you been consuming this week? What have week? I been consuming? Well, the first thing I've been consuming is our. I'll be brief, but um, Lon Del Rey and Ed Sheeran's new albums because mm. I. I'm a 12-year-old girl trapped <laughs> inside a 22-year-old girl's body. Um, but um, I like them concentration of pop culture to the extreme. But yeah, um, I also finished Delia Efron's book, Mother, Sister, Husband, Dog, etc. this week. And I really liked it because the Efron's writing has always been very, very refreshing to me and relaxing to read. Mm-hmm. And it's always helpful to read things you'd like to write in the style of in like a crisp yes. way I don't know it's just like I think it helped sort of like restart my brain in a better way so I recommend it it's kind of old but I just finished it so read it good. and um, what were you gonna say sorry I was gonna say about I was gonna say about an autocorrect that once happened on my phone Oh, yeah. I didn't know if that was necessary. One time I tried to type the cast text to Cassie Nora Ephron and my phone decided to correct it to Nora Wonton. So that's what we we call her Nora Wonton a lot. Nora Wonton and Delia Wonton and I'm just trying to imagine like a Chinese food version of all of Nora Ephron's movies. <laughs> I think I had one for when Harry met Sally. I don't remember it now, but I'll come up I'll I'll think of it again and then it'll be on the next episode. Yeah. So um cliffhanger but um and what i have been watching this week is the new season of true blood started and yeah it's really bad but it's bad it's it's so bad good bad or just plain bad the plot is so bad it's so horrible this season the final season they're fighting a specific group of vampires who they call H-vamps because they have hepatitis. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... Yeah, so they're doing that, but the thing that I love about True Blood is the way it looks and how mm. everything... The majority is shot at night because, you know, vampires come out at night. Yeah, that makes sense. And it just looks so good. It's so well-directed and vivid and... It's just fun, and who cares if it's bad? Like, it's just... It used to be very, very good and well-written, and it was a very good political allegory, and now it's just, like, trashy fun, and I think I deserve that. So... Yes, yes, you deserve it. Reward yourself. I think it's funny when shows 
Like, when shows are on. Wait, how many seasons is... What season is this of True Blood? This is the seventh season. And Jeez. I might add, it knows what it is. And so that's good. that's good, yeah. If it's aware of itself. But it's just... Sometimes it could be a good thing. Sometimes it might be a bummer when a show has been on for so long and it's known for maybe its first, like, two or three seasons for being really good. And then it starts to go downhill and that's the reputation it takes. Like, I just remember with The Office, like, the first four seasons are pretty much amazing and then after that it like kind of declined and that seems to be the reputation that's stuck with it which is i disagree i completely but disagree i think it is a reputation I, as being one of the greatest shows of all i think time, i but. think for part of it i just remember well maybe the immediate reaction after more people seem to be like the when the series finale like premiere like when the series finale came out it seemed to be more people talking about the mixed legacy of the office which is a shame because like I said, there's it should deserve to just be known as one of the best shows, despite a lot of rough patches. Yeah. So anyway, True anyway. Blood, if you... I mean, I don't think it's something you can pick up watching now, unfortunately. There's so much, like, magical, like, creature mythology and crossing, yeah. like, sexual partners and, like, history <laughs> that you would sort of, like have to know the whole show to know what's going yeah. on. It's very like soapy that way, but um it's it I I'm I'm going to watch it till it's over because I'm self-destructive. <laughs> and that the thing that I talked about earlier about how my brain was refreshed and reset within the next 10 weeks, it's going to be completely destroyed by true blood. So, oh, uh, yeah. Um, Get ready for some dumb. Now, the show is created by Alan Ball, correct? Yeah, and he's now- great. Alan Ball, who also wrote American Beauty, so I'm assuming there are some pensive vampires who stare at plastic bags and maybe mm. record people without their permission. Not so much. What's so what's good about True Blood is that it's uh, th- the opposite of the angsty vampire. Oh, re- oh, that's so. No, there's only one. Yeah. The I mean, the main vampire, Bill Compton, is pretty angsty, but uh, so you're otherwise, saying that, so Twilight's basically like if American Beauty was a vampire book. Uh, yeah, but a little worse. <laughs> American Beauty has some good moments. Yes, it does have some very good moments. I will not dispute that. Just over time, it's I. It's not it's, as good as I thought I was. Be- as I thought it was when I was in eighth grade. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a bunch of eighth graders voted it best picture. But um, whatever. Uh, now let's talk about what I've been consuming this week. Um, I haven't gotten the chance to watch a lot of movies, which is unfortunate, but. Um, I really would like to rave about Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, yeah. which has really, like, evolved and come into its own in just a few short weeks. It's, it's, it's another really, thing that makes my brain feel refreshed. Yes, it's it really is refreshing. Just John Oliver, Cassie and I were talking about this, like, John Oliver, like, can take the most complicated and dense and boring issues and, like, make them really interesting and just make you relax and laugh about them. Mm-hmm. But I really love the fact that this is In a not... smart way, too. It's not just, like, oh, yeah. poking fun at dense subjects. Like, yes. oh, look how complicated and arbitrary this is. It actually, <laughs> like, breaks them down and yeah. intelligently The best part about it, it ha- does being stuff with them, once yeah. a week instead of four nights a week is that it gives them a chance to kind of explore... Issues like a lot, like some issues that like can be relevant for a long time more deeply. Yeah, it's sort of like it has time for two sides yeah. of the story to come out, or however yeah. many sides of the story come yeah. out. Because let's face it, like we talked about this, like regular talk show, like regular late night monologues are so outdated now because of the existence of Twitter. But last week mm-hmm. tonight is completely evaded just having monologue jokes. And he goes for some, there's some really deep and thoughtful and like eye-opening editorializing a lot of stuff i didn't even know about like there's a really amazing segment about corruption in the fifa world cup um in that same episode he does a segment about the dictator of syria bashar al-assad and now mm-hmm. like every show kind of ends with a giant with some Interview. giant bit that episode ended with the band Wright said Fred. Uh, oh my god, that was amazing! Wright said Fred singing an anti-Assad song. Like, the because context is too long. Because Assad apparently he like downloaded songs by Wright said Fred and like LMFAO, yeah. like stupid point, yeah. party songs. And the whole point of that segment was that even though Assad like should be terrifying, he's a complete idiot. 
with which is horrible like a, taste in music. Which I thought was really refreshing that when somebody takes on like a really evil person like that, it makes you realize that like they're not just a mastermind; they might just be a moron. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know if that was the yeah. exact take on it. No, but... that was, that was part of it. That's a, that's a line he even says that John Oliver says is like, "Yes, like he's a madman, but he's also a moron." Yeah, and um, he also did. I think this show's been starting to go like more and more viral every episode. The first time was when John Oliver did a really great piece about net neutrality and kind of explained it in clear terms. Which um, I don't. I always get even though I should actually. Know, I, I think he had something viral before that. It was like the embarrassing pictures that was yes. like trending for like a week. Oh yeah, it was like staying yeah. together in shame. I don't remember yes. the hashtag, but, but have you always been? Are you confused by net neutrality? Even though you're a communication school graduate, you should yeah. know these things. Yeah. Yes, our my our producer has tried to explain it to us many times, and I'm still confused. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. anyway, he did such a great job explaining it, and he told everybody to go comment on the on the website about net neutrality, and the website was crashed in like a day. Mm-hmm. Because there were so many comments flowing in, which shows they've really figured out that like the show might not get that big of audiences live, but like on the web, its presence is gigantic. Yeah, which is great. Like with most shows, and um, I don't know. Did you watch this week's episode? I actually haven't yet, but I, I don't know if you've heard. There's an amazing celebrity cameo on it. I don't know if you've heard yet, so I might not spoil it. Okay, don't. But yeah. So what I, else I have you been say, watching? Anyway, and then also speaking of comedians i started reading a book which i bought last night because the second i heard it was out i went and got it and it's called uh poking a dead frog by mike Sachs, and it's conversations with today's top comedy writers and the first chapter is just with a prominent uh former snl writer some really interesting insights about writing comedy and what kind of comedy could stick and there's this one phrase he came up with and it was just i think it's called clapter and it's something I've always thought but didn't know how to put into words. And basically, clapter is when a political is when a comedian will make some like will pander to the audience and make some political statement that everybody agrees with. And then instead of getting laughs, they'll just get claps from it. And that's like the worst kind of comedy, I think, which is something that John Oliver does not practice at all. Yeah, I agree. But I think there are certain comedians out there who do do that. Mm-hmm. And it always annoys me. And there's a specific person who does it who's cited in there, and it's very true. Yeah. But anyway, if you're a comedy geek or aspiring comedy writer, I think you should pick up that book. It's been awesome so far. I might just spend the rest of the week reading it. Yeah, and um, Mike Sachs, who sort of edited and stuff, just, uh, he, um, the, today there was this good article on Vulture about it called 18 Things You Learn After Interviewing 80 or So oh, Comedy yeah. Writers. So, um, read that. Yeah. Too. He also wrote, Mike Sachs also wrote a book called Here's the Kicker, which is like the, the first It's a similar, edition. yeah. Similar model. Okay, so that that's what we've consumed this week. Now it's time for Question of the Week. Dun-da-da-da! Question of the Week. This week, uh, with all the oranges and new black fever going out, this part contains no spoilers, by the way, um, we just wanted to have a little fun with it and decide, because there's, all the backstories are a really great part of the show and very important. And we were just want to talk about what backstories would we want to see and what would we want to see of them and why. Um, if I wanted to see a backstory of Orange the New Black, I think the character who deserves one is Healy. Partly because the guards don't really have any backstories. I think some of the guards' backstories wouldn't be that interesting, but what do I know? Like, people are always way more interesting than you can initially realize, but... I think Healy's backstory would be cool because he's been at the prison for a very long time, and I think exploring, seeing like him starting at the prison would show how much it's changed or hasn't changed, and it would really add to the backstory and mythology of the show because it's done a really excellent job of world building, and I'd like to see the the past of Litchfield Prison. Yeah, that was really cool how they had like flashbacks of. Litchfield between oh, yeah. B and Red this yeah, season. They, yeah, I really. It was like flashbacks within that. flashbacks, so it was kind of cool. Yeah, there's it, yeah the flashbacks are getting really interesting. Uh, Cassie, what would uh whose backstory do you want to see? Uh, I want to see Yoga Jones' backstory because I want to mm-hmm. see her giant pop farm that she alluded to in the first season. I think we all do. Um, 
yeah, she's just great, and I want to know what makes her tick a little more. Yeah. And also, I want to see more of Crazy Eyes's backstory because yeah. you, you sort of saw how she had always been a little bit off yeah. as a child and a and a I guess a teen because that was like her high school graduation. Yes. But I want to know why she's in prison. Yeah, we never we, we never don't thought, know. Yeah, we don't know. I don't. Do we know why Red's in prison yet? Um, I think just from like the like money laundering with the Russian right. mob. Right, right. That that makes sense. It's not really stated like clearly stated out but it makes sense yeah um okay so we all want to know uh, what character deserves to get a backstory in orange is the new black next if you uh have a response you want to talk to us you want to talk to us you want to talk to us uh just shoot over an email as always to ian i-a-n at real r-e-e-l dealblog.com that's ian at real dealblog.com if you want to answer this question or any questions from the past all right, so that does it. That wraps up another episode of the Real Deal podcast. Uh, Cassie, where can we find you this week? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cassie Grimaldi, C A S S I E Grimaldi, G R I M A L D I, and uh, you can follow me there and stuff. And you can also read some of the things I write on a website called ScreenRobot.com, and um, you can listen to me on the podcast too yeah you can speaking of this speaking of the podcast you can uh download more episodes you can find them either at the website where i am the editor and writer realdealblog.com r-e-e-l dealblog.com you can find old episodes there as well as articles i've written you can find my full review of obvious child as well as a post about my favorite movie dogs where I will say that I forgot to include the dog from Independence Day, which I am ashamed of, because the part where the dog charges a fireball in that movie is amazing and pandering to emotions, but still amazing. So you can find those, and you can download uh, old episodes of the podcast on iTunes. Just find us and subscribe, and you can listen to our thoughts on things like Game of Thrones and 22 Jump Street and all the way back to Captain America Winter Soldier. All right, thank you again so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Real Deal Podcast. And as always, three, keep two, it real. one, keep it real. That was, that was faster than me. Keep it real. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs>